When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, Ag Direct can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving Iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus with Chip Nellinger. Chip Nellinger is with Blue Reef Agri-Marketing out of Morton, Illinois, and he's nice enough to come on and talk about what's happening in the marketplace. So, Chip, how you been, man? Hey, doing well, Casey. We, uh, we're, we're still here. We had uh, kind of the uh, Toto and Kansas experience uh, last night. That big yep. system moved up from uh, Arkansas, and you know, I don't know how many dozens of, of tornadoes there were, some winds, some big hail, but... Uh, we made it through and uh, made it through the uh, USDA report as well. So, kind of got uh, got through everything unscathed, at least in this in this area from the storms and the report. Yeah, there's some pretty heavy storms last night that went through there. I was watching that on the news and and paying attention to what's happening there. And it was he had some pretty pretty big tornadoes in the area. It sounded like there's some large hail and heavy winds and those kind of things out there too. So, thoughts of prayers out there, everybody out there right now. That's uh, that's working through all that, but. Um, like you said, there was a, a USDA report came out yesterday and there were a little bit of fireworks on it. Um, there were, you saw some, some pretty big climbs here based around it and it all had to really do with, with ending stocks. It, it really did. It's, uh, was, uh, I like to say it's, it's long awaited, highly despised, uh, at least in, uh, in my mind, but we, uh, we yeah. got it out of the way. Um, 
you know, we could get into an entire podcast as to how they can uh, maybe tweak this thing on the acreage side. It's as of uh, March 1st, uh, planning intentions, it's survey based. And a lot of times it's based on, you know, old information. A, the market has moved a lot. And B, it always comes down to mother nature anyway. Uh, you know, we could intend to plant 100 million acres of corn, but we're not going to get it in unless we get a, a window uh, early to, to do that. So we did have the acreage report. Um, it, it, I think it was pretty well anticipated by the market. Came in 91.96 corn, uh, 90.1.96 million corn acres. That was a touch higher, um, uh, you know, about a million two almost acres higher than the average estimate. But there was a lot of talk going into this report for the last few weeks of, you know, could it be 92, could it be 93? I think there was even a private estimate out there uh, close to 94 million acres of corn. So I think the, the market in the case of corn anticipated that. I don't think it was a shock. It was 87.5 on the beans. Uh, that was, uh, you know, maybe 700,000 acres below the average estimate. Towards the low end, uh, within a couple hundred thousand acres of the low end of estimates. So that was a touch friendly on beans. And, and now the question is, you know, there's oftentimes there's big moves, which we've kind of seen here uh, yesterday um, on Friday with uh, new crop corn and beans that can actually swing some acres back. Right. So right. this March uh, acreage report just, you know, for a lot of reasons, I kind of kind of despise it. Uh, but along with it, quietly, we also get a, uh, a quarterly stocks report. And keep in mind, I always like to remind people that's it's not the ending stocks that the USDA projects on our normal monthly crop reports. Um, you know, we're going to have one of those uh, coming here in uh, about a week. The, uh, the April crop report, the USDA will put out an ending stocks projection. And that is at the end of the crop year for 2023, um, after we produce a crop and after we have the demand that uses the production, here's how many bushels are left over. On these quarterly reports, like we got Friday, um, it's as of March 1st, what is left in commercial storage at elevators and co-ops, farmer-owned storage, as well as what's in transit on barges and rail cars. And um, it's a good snapshot to kind of get a, an update of what the actual demand has been. And, and it was very friendly on both corn and beans. Came out 7.4 billion bushels on corn. Um, below, uh, what, uh, almost 70 million bushels below the average estimate. Um, so friendly there, 1.685 billion on the beans. Uh, that was about, uh, 65 million below the average estimate. I think, um, when you look at this though, and what was so friendly, if you compare where we were at, uh, March 1st of 23 versus the prior year, March 1st of 22, uh, we ended up uh, like 347 million bushels less on corn, and uh, I think about 220 some million bushels less on beans. And if you remember back, that was pretty tight a year ago. So we're looking at an incredibly uh, tight stock situation domestically in the United States until we get new crop supplies, uh, you know, this coming fall. And obviously, we know that South America raised a big crop in the case of Brazil on beans, Argentina, you know, fighting a drought down there, and they still don't have a, a real handle on exactly what their crop size is. But um, this thing's going to get uh, really interesting. And you saw big moves yesterday, particularly led by 
old crop beans. They were up, uh, I don't know, 30, they're almost 31 cents back north of uh, $15. Put uh, essentially going back a week, week and a half from the banking scare, yeah. we put a dollar plus, probably a dollar and five, dollar and seven cents on the old crop bean market in six trading sessions. So talking about some volatility in here. And these reports really are going to make it uh, really interesting as far as, you know, what are we going to plant? How's our growing season going to go? Any little, we, ha- we cannot afford to have any little hiccup whatsoever during our growing season. You can argue, like on this corn number, um, just round it up, it's within a few thousand acres of being 92 million. Let's call it 92 million. Um, as always, you don't really get big changes in the heart of the Corn Belt, the I states, Nebraska. There were a couple little tweaks there, a couple hundred thousand acres, uh, I think, in in uh, Iowa, a couple hundred thousand in in uh, Illinois, Indiana. But the big swings come north in the Dakotas and in the the South, and you saw that again yesterday. You know, you, you put a put a weather map up, and you know, South Dakotas, uh, the, most of the states on tap next week to get. You know, anywhere from 10 to 20 plus inches of snow, snow in Minnesota, snow in uh, North Dakota. You know, I don't want to be the chicken little sky is falling guy, but uh, if we're going to plant 92 million acres of corn, uh, we got to get the snow out of the Dakotas and Minnesota first. And uh, an April 4th or 5th (laughs) blizzard, you know, doesn't bode very well if you're wanting to get out and, uh, you know, plant a bunch of corn up there. So will we be able to do it? It all comes down to mother nature, but. At the heart of it, the the stocks number is what's going to drive things. It's incredibly tight out there domestically. Yeah. Yeah. And we're supposed to out here in the paint. I mean, we're supposed to get, I think we're supposed to get somewhere, depending on what forecast you listen to, six to 14 inches, depending on what you're listening to. And and it's uh it's that time of the year too where you get that really heavy wet snow, which is good, but and it doesn't typically last very long. But man, I tell you what, it 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 does wrecks havoc out there when you start looking at trying to get field work done that last little bit of stuff done before you start hitting the field and and uh we're still having you know 28 to well 20 to 30 degree mornings you know so the the soil temperatures are still a long ways away from being anywhere near going into that april 15th sugar beet planting period that we see out here so we've got a long ways to go like you said mother nature's got to really help us out here a little bit to get get things started and get things rolling so yeah, and they can change fast. You know, sure. I don't want to be sure. the guy that's uh, talking up a, a delayed planning. But, you know, the Dakotas, historically, that's where you do see a lot of the prevent plant acres. You know, throw out some of the extremes the last couple of years. Um, you know, going back uh, a few years, we had that, you know, outlier year. But historically, there's a lot of swing acres that end up um, in prevent plant in the Dakotas because of that. Um, you know, and you get a late wet spring like that, uh, it looks like we're into, you know, we got to get the snow out of the ground and, you know, then if it warms up fast, you're talking flooding potential, it's going to take a while to dry out up there and, you know, they don't have as big a window. And, and so that's something that the market probably doesn't care about today on April 1st, um, you know, April 20th, May 1st, the market, uh, if we're still fighting that is really going to start taking notice. And uh, and paying attention, I think, and yeah. uh, you know the the southern hemisphere production still in a little bit of a question too. And so as we as we get deeper into harvest uh, on the, those beans in Brazil, kind of try to zero in that crop. They haven't really started harvest yet in uh, in Argentina. They're a little bit later. Uh, you know, we know the drought. Uh, it's like a sixty year drought, 
and their production is really hurt. But yeah. the ultimate crop size in, in Argentina for corn and beans, both is going to be uh, still um, a potential market mover as well and kind of let the market figure out, all right, we know it's tight in America, but what's what's this pool of bushels look like in the Southern Hemisphere? And, uh, you know, we got a long way to go before we've got new crop supplies here. So we're going to have to rely on the Southern Hemisphere, which we know has been uh, curtailed by that drought in Argentina. Been a struggle. All right. Let's jump down and talk about what happened in the uh, protein complexes down here. So you look at cattle yesterday, saw a pretty big jump yesterday in, um, in cattle, 80 cents from Thursday. So it was a big, big climb. And you saw that uh, June futures climb about uh, a little over a dollar, dollar 12 and a half or so. So you had a pretty big um, move on that. So I guess talk about the cattle market right now. It's been it's been great for a long time as far as, as seeing some pretty steady, either holding tight where it's at at a high level or we've seen these interday interday moves up and down where you're seeing some pretty big movements. So I guess talk about the cattle market a little bit. We see happening there. Yeah. You've seen a lot of volatility in, in cattle as well. Going back a week to 10 days, cattle market kind of got caught up in that, uh, you know, big sell off that, uh, the financial markets and commodities had because of the, the banking scare and, uh, you know, credit Suisse, uh, over in Europe and, uh, Silicon Valley bank here. Uh, you had a lot of liquidation from, from funds and the cattle market wasn't immune from it. We had a several dollar break off the highs, but all of a sudden, the uh, the cash market, um, you know, just caught fire this week. I mean, uh, I've seen some moves in the cash market, you know, that were surprising and ended up two or three bucks uh, higher. But you're talking some areas were five dollars plus higher uh, in uh, in cash this week, and it really shot the futures higher. Um, you know, we had the outside markets pretty stable this week. We had the dollar kind of softening up a little bit. And then you had this much better than anticipated cash trade in cattle. And you shot some of these uh, cattle contracts, live cattle, into new contract highs this week. So it has been a lot of volatility out there. But the cash market still as a result of everything we've gone through the last couple of years. You know, massive drought, herd liquidation, um, numbers are, are, you know, low of on feed. And then we've had a really rough winter in some areas and it's affecting performance and the cash market um, is holding together and rallying. And so that's really what's what's driving this cattle complex uh, right now and pushed into new highs uh, on a lot of these contracts on Friday. I'm not saying you're going to you know see us uh, four or five dollars higher every week in the cash market, but uh, that is going to be something that uh, you know continues to support us because we it took us a while to get to where we're at with all the liquidation, and it's going to take us a while to kind of come back out of here and, and, you know, rebuild these, uh, these supplies. Absolutely. All right. Same thing with hog. You saw a pretty good move yesterday up two and a half cents. Um, you know, so far, um, this week they had like about a 20 cent gain. It looks like. So hog markets had a little bit of rally this week. Yeah. Hog market's been, uh, been beat up here over the last month or so. Um, and part of it is just, uh, too many uh, bigger supplies out there than anticipated. Thursday afternoon, we had a hogs and pigs report. That's a quarterly report as well. It it comes out and it uh, sections out a lot of different categories of, you know, uh, weights of, of hogs, uh, farrowing intentions, um, you know, out several months uh, ahead of us. And um, overall, it was pretty friendly. They did have a revision higher from the previous one. And I think that's part of the reason uh, that was kind of taken um fairly well, even though that was a little bit bearish. I think the market had already uh, digested that and, and kind of anticipated that 
because of the falling cutout and cash market. But as you as you really sift through that hogs and pigs report, um, out ahead of us, it's pretty friendly. The numbers were all towards the bottom end. Uh, as you get uh, out there, um, you know, with these lower weight hogs, the the numbers were all towards the low end of expectations um, and, and below the average expectations. The farrowing intentions uh, didn't show much in the way uh, of expansion. And so, uh, you know, if we can get through these numbers in the short run here, especially now that you've kind of liquidated all the funds out there, I don't think they're short a record amount, but I think it's close to a record short position that the funds hold in hogs. All you need is a little bit of spark. If you remember back a couple of weeks, uh, China was talking about, hey, ASF is coming back in a big way. The market kind of shrugged that off and didn't care about it at that point in time. But now with these tighter numbers uh, based on that hogs and pigs report, if you continue to see ASF be a problem uh, in China and they come back to the hog market um, uh, you know, for pork in a big way here, it could get explosive out there. Summer seasonal um, you know, is at our backs here. We typically see things tighten up, cash market and cut out improve into uh, late spring and early summer. And, you know, I, I see better things ahead. It's been a brutal sell-off here, though, in the short run. Uh, but we kind of took it in stride, some of the bearish uh, numbers on that hogs and pigs from the front end. And I and I think we're in a, a good spot to where we could maybe rally with the right spark in here. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that hogs going into summer kind of follow that normal seasonal uh, improvement right. and, and can see some nice gains. And and maybe some really nice games. Yeah, I wouldn't, uh, you know, rule out anything, you know, well north of a hundred on these summer month hogs, particularly the July and August contract. Right on. Okay, good stuff as usual, Chip. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what it is you're doing over at Blue Reef Marketing. What's the best way to do that? Best way is just give us a call here at our office. It's three zero nine five five zero seven two one three. We'd love to chat with you, talk to you about what uh, what you're doing with your risk management plan and uh, how you might be able to to uh, you know, improve that and execute a little bit better. Right on. Well, Chip, I appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Casey. Right on. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Go to LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast. Check out the video version of this over on YouTube at Moving Iron Podcast. And everything Moving Iron related, go to MovingIronLLC.com and you can find it there. Uh, information for the Moving Iron Summit come on up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 11th through the 13th. You get all that information on the website. You can also go um, send me an email at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com, and I can fill in any gaps that you might want to have filled in there. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Chip Mellinger. Let's give me some iron, folks. Out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Mm-hmm. 
and I in the 21st century. 